we're going through a time at uh, the neighborhood church where we're looking at stories, stories from the Bible. The Bible is full of stories. Uh, Jacob and Moses and Isaac and Abraham and David and Solomon, New Testament, uh, Peter and James and Barnabas, full of stories. But it's also very true that all of us have a story too. And as we go through this series on stories, we're going to be talking to uh, people from our very own church family and hearing their story. And today, I'm really excited to have Larissa with us. Larissa and her Ryan, Ryan, Ryan her husband and two kids, uh, came to the neighborhood just a couple of months ago. They came to witness a friend being baptized in water. And uh, so thank you, Shannon, for inviting them. And they liked it. And they've kept coming back. Uh, so glad you're taking time just to talk with us, Larissa. Bless you. Mm -hmm. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Tell us uh, about your story and uh, encourage us. It's an encouraging story of God's grace. Okay. Um, so like he said, I'm Larissa Garretsi. I guess I would say I was a Christian all my life and I always did all the rules. I followed all the rules. I did everything right because I was told that when you listen and obey that, that God looks after you and that he's always there with you. I and hit then a, life happened. Life happened. And I ended up in an abusive relationship. Um, I was assaulted three different times. I was mad. I was very mad at God because I thought, why did I do everything right and follow all the rules only for everything to go wrong anyway. Where are you? Why aren't you here for me? Why do bad things happen to good people? Exactly. I was very angry. I wasn't, I wasn't following him at all because I was, I was mad. It looked like I was, but underneath I was seething mad at God. Then I had to have a surgery when I was um, pregnant with my son. I was in a car accident at 31 weeks pregnant. Um, my abdominal wall tore and um, I ended up on bed rest for the remainder of the pregnancy until 37 weeks and then he came out and we were both fine. But I had to get surgery later once he wasn't breastfeeding to repair my abdominal wall. And the surgery was a success. I went into like a recovery room and everything was going good except that the person in my room was very verbally abusive. She would insult every word that came out of my mouth to the point that I was crying. And then because I was crying, it hurt so much that I started throwing up. And I didn't realize during all this, I ripped my stitches open. And uh, I fell asleep or passed out, probably from lack of blood. It was the middle so of the this night. this is in your hospital Yeah, room, this is in my room. Yeah. yeah, a nurse came on to start his shift and he just put his name on the board and he left to walk away because he said I was sleeping so quietly, he thought he'd just let me sleep. But when he got to the door, he felt someone tap him and say, no, you need to check on her now. He listened and he came over to the side of the bed that, the cut, that I was open and everything. And he just put his hand there and was going to call my name. But he said his hand came away dripping with blood and there was a pool on the floor. I was just bleeding away and nobody knew it. And he, I woke to him yelling code. And then there were swarms of people around my bed and everyone was trying to get a vein and I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on until I got into 
the surgery room and my surgeon was just crying and he was like, Larissa, please, please let me fix this. Let me fix this, stay with me, please. And I was like, okay, like I didn't realize how bad it was. Um, I lost 70% of my body's blood. Um, if, if that man hadn't turned around and checked on me, they said I would have been dead within the hour. I, I couldn't get over it because I wasn't following God. I wasn't, I wasn't listening. You were I was, mad at him. I was very mad and he decided that I should be saved anyway. And because of that, my kids get to have their mom and I get, my husband gets to have his wife and I get to have my, my family and my community. And, and I just, it, it turned my thinking around because like when I really needed him, he was there. When I wasn't pursuing him, when I wasn't looking for him, he was there. Wow, what a story, Larissa, thank you. Thank you. When uh, it seems like God's not around, uh, he's there even when we don't feel it, he's there even when we don't see him, even when we don't understand. Oh. And uh, God, in spite of, of your heart and, and the anger you were feeling towards him, never gave up on you, never disappeared. Nope. And when you really, really needed him, he was there. What a story of God's grace. Mm -hmm. Bless you for being brave today. Thank you. And sitting down with me and sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Larissa. Thank you so much. Give her a hand. That was so encouraging. <laughs> Larissa's right where I'm pointing right now. Third row. Thank you, Larissa. Thank you, Ryan. Wonderful. Last week, we started the series and told an Old Testament story. We told the story of a man named Jacob who got a new name, name of Israel. And tonight we're going to go to the New Testament and we're going to tell you a story. And the man in the story that I'm gonna talk about, we don't know his name, but most of you uh, know a great deal about him. Let's pray. Father, I'm uh, deeply aware that you're really the teacher. Holy Spirit is the teacher. Help my words not to be bouncing off the walls but take what you've laid on my heart and penetrate our hearts with the truth of Scripture and the truth of this story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The story I'm telling tonight is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. And it takes place in Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem. Interesting, the Gospel of Luke spends about 15 chapters on that last trip, the 
The Gospel of Luke is really the story of that last trip to Jerusalem. In that story, there are five miracles that take place. And tonight, we're going to meet one of them in Luke chapter 17, 17 the story of the 10th leper. The story starts in Capernaum. Capernaum is way up in the north end of Israel, and friends, we need to be praying for that nation right now, today. The people of God need to be praying. The story takes place in the north end, starts in the north end of Jerusalem, and Jesus has to get from uh, Capernaum down to Jerusalem. And scripture tells us in the English Standard Version, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria and Galilee are in the middle of the trip from Capernaum down to Jerusalem. I like how the King James Version makes this read. I spent the first 45 years of my life reading it almost exclusively. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Little different reading there, passing along between that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. I checked about 60 versions today, uh, a huge, huge chunk of them use and prefer the phraseology pass through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. The message reads like this. It happened that he made, as he made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. Interesting. You see, good news never went through Samaria. Good news stayed away from Samaria. Good Jews did not like being in Samaria. I was told as a youngster that the reason uh, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans is because they were half-breeds, half-Jewish and half-Gentile. I'm not sure that that's really even true, but I heard it a lot when I was growing up. Truth of the matter is, the problem the Jews had with Samaritans was... Uh, not really a one of uh, racial distinction. Samaritans are good people. They believe in one God named Yahweh. They believe in Jehovah God. The Samaritans believe that there's only one holy book that communicates truth, and that's the Torah. They believe the same Bible the Jews believed. They believe in the final judgment and that everyone is going to stand before God. But they had a distinctive that the Jewish people didn't like. And they believed the holy place in the Holy Land was not Jerusalem, it was Mount Gerizim. That was what split them apart. It was what mountain you needed to worship on. That was the dividing between the Samaritans and the Jews. They were regarded as heretics because they regarded a different mountain as holy. 
So the normal Jew wouldn't travel through Samaria because if they traveled through Samaria, it would look like they agreed with the terrible heresy. But in Luke chapter 17, we see Jesus passing through Samaria. When he's on this trip, he comes to a certain village and he meets 10 lepers. He meets 10 lepers. Leprosy is a terrible disease, terrible disease. The reality is as soon as you were told you had leprosy, as soon as you were diagnosed leper, You were taken into quarantine. Couldn't go to work anymore. You were taken away from your wife, and your kids, your church community, because you had leprosy. I can't tell the story of the 10th leper without making reference to the other nine lepers, it's impossible. This man, the man we're zeroing in, was hanging out with nine other lepers and somehow the word had got out that Jesus was gonna be walking through the village, Jesus was making his way through Samaria. And he came, and when he got there, there were 10 lepers standing at a distance. They weren't bonded because they shared religious interests. Some of them would have been Jews. Some of them would have been Samaritans. They weren't bonded together uh, because they both all cheered for the Jerusalem Rough Riders. They, they, their bondage was simply the fact that they were lepers. That's what brought them together was pain. Pain that brought them together, not the love of coffee. bound together by pain. And Jesus is walking by and they're standing at a distance. You see, lepers weren't allowed to have any relationship, any connection with people whatsoever. The law required them to identify themselves anytime people even came near to the colony that they would have been assigned to live in. And they would shout, unclean, unclean. History tells us that many of them carried a sign around that said, unclean, unclean, unclean. 
Their identity was in one word, unclean. And they had no contact with anyone except other people who were unclean. And Jesus is walking by, and they would have identified themselves as being unclean. We're unclean. After identifying themselves as unclean, standing at a distance, they cried out. They cried out to the Lord, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. Everything was about to change in their lives. I think one of the key words there is they use the word master. In the Gospel of Luke, nobody calls Jesus master except the disciples. And here are these 10 people who are quarantined and rejected by everybody. Jesus didn't reject them. Jesus found his way through Samaria. But they call him master. And it changes everything. I wonder, friends, how many people like Jesus to be their savior. Like Jesus to be their healer. Like Jesus to be their provider. (laughs) Even want Jesus to be their friend. Here were 10 people rejected and cut off from society who see Jesus. And they call him Master. 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 I like verse number 14. Jesus saw them. (laughs) Jesus saw them. Jesus always moves towards pain. Did you catch Larissa's story tonight? Lady in great pain in a hospital bed, Jesus was there. Jesus always moves towards pain. Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them. Friends, if the church is being the church, the church always moves towards people in pain. This is not a place where those who are holier than the rest of society gather. This is a place where people in pain gather. This is a a hospital for people in need and walking through difficult times. Jesus saw their needs. 
Had two weddings last weekend. Wonderful. And Sunday evening, after preaching at North Point, Don and I ran back to the city and attended the second reception of the weekend. And I sat down at a table and the guy to my right said, uh, what church do you pastor? He didn't say it with much excitement. I said, the neighborhood church. She said, I used to go to church. He said, I used to go to church 40, 30 years ago. And then he went on and said, and after 10 years of not going to church, that's 30 years ago, he said, I thought I'd try it again. And I went seven weeks in a row, and I was enjoying church. And then one Sunday morning, the pastor met us outside the church and said, uh, the elders and I met this week, and we've decided we don't want you to come. Please get back in your car. And he said, why? And pastor said, you have some habits that we're afraid other people in our church will get, so just stay away. Jesus is always moved towards pain. Jesus is always moved towards those who others may reject for one reason or another. Religious people will make their way around certain people to say, oh, you don't come here. We don't want you around here. You're not holy enough. You don't do things the way we think things should be done. But Jesus walked right into the middle of their situation and their circumstance. And the church must be the same. The church must be the same. And when he saw them, Luke 17, 14 says, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. What an unusual thing to do. You see, Jesus, Jesus knew the law. Jesus knew the Torah. He knew what the good book said. And the good book says, once you're cleansed, if you think you don't have leprosy anymore, go to the priests, and the priests will look at you. And if they declare you cleansed, then you can move around. But you don't go to the priests when you're dirty still. Go to the priests once you think you're cleansed. And here were these... Ten lepers told by the master to go. And so they went. Would have loved to have been there. Would have loved to have been on that walk. Friends, when God's about to do something in your life, he almost always calls you to take a step of faith. 
and these ten lepers step out and they begin walking. Leprosy is a disease of the skin that ultimately creeps its ways into your nerve endings and can't feel pain anymore. They lose their fingers and their toes and eventually die. Leprosy is a death sentence and they're on the walk and one looks and the skin is clearing up as they're walking and he says, look what's happening to my hands, my feet. And the other looks and the same thing is happening to them. And they look and as they're walking they get closer and closer to where the priests are and they're healed. They're healed. Would have loved to have been there. They want to hurry up and go to the priest. Want to hurry up and get to the priest because if they get to the priest, they'll be able to, to get home. As they went, they were cleansed. Huh. Little math quiz here. How what percentage of them were cleansed? One hundred percent of them were cleansed. They're walking and they see what God has done. Luke seventeen, fourteen, and fifteen. We read uh, this. One of them saw that he was healed. Healed. Looked around and, and all of them were healed. At that moment, they got a new identity. No longer unclean, but healed. No longer unclean, but healed. And one of the lepers says, uh, I, I, I think we should go back to Jesus. Jesus is the one who did this. I think we should turn around and, and go thank Jesus for what he's done. And the majority, nine of them, said, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to. That'd be a waste of time. I'm going to go to the priest and get him to declare me clean, declare me healed, so I can get to my wife. I haven't held my wife for 12 years. I haven't been in the same room as my wife for 12 years. I want to see my kids. I'm not going to bother with this Jesus stuff. I just want the priest to let me get back to life and live and Nine of them go to the priest. 
the tenth leper goes to Jesus and worships him, thanks him. He falls at his on his face at Jesus' feet. <laughs> and now we find out it was that nasty, dirty heretic of a Samaritan who falls down and worships Jesus and thanks him. And I thought about myself. And probably when I'm thinking about myself, I'm thinking about us. We heard Larissa's story tonight. We hear the story of this 10th leper. And we know our story. The truth of the matter is the story of the leper is really our story. We're all unclean. We've all sinned. We've all fallen so far short of God's desires and plans and purposes for us. But thanks be to God, <laughs> thanks be to God, he has stepped in and he has cleansed us and he has healed us. But I fear that many of us at least on occasion, find ourselves more excited about being healed than in living for and with the healer. And we take God's wonderful gift of salvation and his healing touch that puts a disordered life into order and we get so excited about our new life. Everything becomes about our new life. We're so excited about our family and this and getting ahead in our careers. Jesus kind of ends up on the sidelines. Oh, I, I don't I don't have time for Jesus. I I, uh, I want to get back to see my wife, and I want to get together with the guys, and maybe we can go to a Jerusalem Rough Riders Rough Riders game. I haven't been to a Rough Riders game for twelve years. We get our eyes on all of those things, and we forget to thank the one who's done so much for us. And Jesus saw that 10th leper guy, unnamed guy, but what a great story. He saw that 10th leper. And we read this, 
in verses 17 and 18. Luke 17, 17 and 18. Uh, we're, we're not 10 cleansed. <laughs> Didn't 10 get healed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Sometimes the people we judge and condemn and are hard on actually have a greater appreciation for what Jesus has done in their lives than those of us who are so holy. <laughs> and look so good on the outside. Friends, don't become so enamored with your healing that you're not taking time to fall down at the healer's feet. And thank him.